Good morning, everyone. Thought we'd get this map out here. There we go. Well, it's good to see everybody today. Let's uh, open with prayer. Heavenly Father, just thank you for this day, and I thank you for your word. Your word brings strength. Your word sustains us. Lord, I thank you that your word is truth. It's authoritative. Lord, I just thank you that your word is inspired. It's inerrant. Lord, I just pray that uh, you would help and teach us through your word this day, that we might become more like Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. It was D.L. Moody who said that the scriptures are given not to increase knowledge, but to change lives. And I just pray that, you know, as we go through the Bible, that these words would be words not to fill our heads, but to change us more into the image of Jesus Christ. Last week, the message that was preached was regarding power, and that, that Jesus Christ gives us that power. He says that um, the, the homiletical idea or the preaching idea was this, that we should be fearless and not fearful. We should be fearless and not fearful. In today's message, the idea is that, we, that Jesus empowers us to stay the course, empowers us to stay the course. So let's just take a little bit of a, a look at the background that we've been talking about. So you can see right here in Antioch of Syria, this is where Paul and Barnabas were commissioned to go out and to, on their first missionary journey. They went to Cyprus, and then they came up to Perga. They went into Antioch, a major city there. Oh, there we go. They went to a major city, and they preached the gospel. They were actually driven out of that city, and they went to Iconium. But they continually preached the gospel, and they were not discouraged. Then they went to Lystra, which is over here. And remember at Lystra, they didn't go to the synagogue first because there probably was a synagogue there. And what Paul's uh, custom would be is if he didn't go to the synagogue, that he would go to the agora or the marketplace, the place where people were at, and that he would continually preach the gospel. And remember there was a person that was there that was a cripple. And remember... There weren't a lot of believers there, but there was... Sorry, is this too high? Should I move this down? That there was a cripple there, and they, there was also a temple to Zeus. And um, so Paul still continued to preach, and that... Oh, so you can see where Lystra is. Continued to preach, and he saw that this cripple had the faith to be healed. And the person believed and was saved. He went to Derby. that's what we're going to talk about today, and then instead of going to Tarsus, that was his hometown, which was about, from Derby to Tarsus was about 160 miles, um, he decided to go back through those towns and then sail back to Antioch. And I've always thought that was a little bit interesting because, I mean, he could have just gone right over the, the hill over to Tarsus and seen his family and so on, but he thought it was important not just to make converts but to make disciples. And so it made me think especially about that, um, what I thought about this week was that crippled man that was in um, Lystra 
that believed and was healed. And it made me think of a story that I'd heard once before. There was a man that was walking along the beach, and he saw a starfish that was on the beach there. It was all by itself, and um, the tide was out, and he picked up that starfish, and he went over and he threw it into the ocean. And there was a young man that was there and asked, "Um, why did you pick up that starfish and throw it in? I mean, it probably would have died anyways, and there are lots of others that are around. Like, why did you do that? And he said, well, it made a difference for that one starfish. And I was thinking, you know, Paul took the time, even when he was in Derby, for a crippled person that didn't was a pagan person, but he made the difference in that person's life because it was just like that starfish. He was worth it. Even one person coming to Christ, it says that the angels in heaven um, proclaim and they rejoice. So today what I wanted to do is to take a little bit, a look at Paul and Barnabas' return from Antioch, and there's two, I mean, from Derby, and go to Antioch and then back to um, the Antioch that's in Syria. So as I'm looking at this section of scripture, a key verse that I saw was in verse 27. It says, from Italia they sailed back to Antioch, where they'd been committed to the grace of God for the work that they had now completed, the work that they had now completed. So one of the things you do when you look at a passage, you ask yourself questions. What do you observe? And the question that I asked myself was this. What was the result of Paul and Barnabas uh, that was now completed? What happened? What was the result? And the result, it says in the scripture, was that uh, Paul and Barnabas, they preached the gospel, that they strengthened and encouraged the disciples, they endured hardships, and they appointed elders. So that's why I came up with this big idea right here that I want you to remember that Jesus empowers us to stay the course. And he does that even in our own lives today, that he gives us the strength to be able to endure. A couple of the things that I want you to know about Derby, so you can see where Derby is over there. Um, We know that that Cicero was, uh, was a governor of Cilicia. So you see where Cilicia is. Cilicia is like a region, so it would be like a county. So Tarsus was in Cilicia, and Paul was from Tarsus, right? And we know in about 25 BC or so, it transferred over to uh, the Romans. So when the king that died there, uh, Rome was expanding even more and it came under Roman control. So what do we know about Derby? We know that Derby was a Roman military outpost, okay? We know that it was on the main road as you go um, through from, uh, from Ephesus over to um, the, the river Euphrates, okay? So it was a, a military road, a road that the Romans had, had built. Also, we know that uh, one of Paul's disciples, Gaius, was from Derby as well. But another thing that was interesting is this. You see where Cilicia is? Okay, there's a mountain range that's right in between Derby and Tarsus. And they called that the Cilician Gates. So there were times when it was like a mountain pass. And we know that Alexander the Great used that pass. We know that when the Crusades happened, they went through that pass. And so there was a guy named Strabo who was famous for geography making and so on. And he actually called Derby, the place where we're going to talk about today, a custom station. And that makes a lot of sense. Because when they went over the mountain pass, the first place they went to was in Derby, 
right? In fact, it was such an important city that the emperor Claudius uh, deemed that uh, a royal area, and he, that was actually um, part of the new name. It was Claudio Derby, they called it. So it was a pretty important town, and I wanted to talk, give you a little background as we, um, as we talk about that city. Now, it says here they preached, it says the next day, this is in verse 20, the next day he and Barnabas left for Derby. But do you remember what happened? That he was stoned, remember, in Lystra. I mean, they, he looked like he was dead. He got up, he went back into the city. And I just thought it was really the important, the big idea that, that, that Jesus wants us to make more than converts. He wants us to make disciples. So remember in the Great Commission, it says, go into the world and to make disciples. It's more than just presenting a message and then leaving, right? It's, it's going there and staying and encouraging and strengthening and helping them to walk their faith out as well. Remember, it was Billy Graham who said, he said when he was talking about discipleship, he said, salvation is free. It's a free gift of God. Salvation is free. But discipleship costs everything that you have. And Paul, what I thought was, when I see this and I'm looking at it, Paul goes back, he goes through Antioch, he goes through Iconium and Lystra and Derby. He could have just as well just gone to Tarsus, but he didn't. He went back to Derby and Lystra and he went there and he was strengthening the churches. He was building disciples. He was, disciple making was important. And so the reason why I wanted to bring that up is I was thinking about my own life and, and how things have, I've been experiencing some different changes instead of just, you know, I've, I was a teacher at first and then I was the athletic director and I've been a school administrator and an athletic director again. And um, now I just feel like there's more of a call to, you know, work in the church or to also do mission work as well. And so this thought that came to my mind is being available being more available to be able to encourage. That's what Paul was doing. He was making himself available. And so how can I best work in people's lives to grow, help them grow in Christ? And so last week I met with a guy for a couple hours. He said, you know, I have, uh, I have some questions about Jesus and I wanted to talk with you about it. And we agreed to meet again. And then this morning there was somebody that called on the phone and my thinking was, you know, I could take the time to, you know, study and prep a little bit more for Sunday school and church. But, you know, this is important. So I didn't know what he was calling up for. I picked it up and he wanted to talk about God. How amazing is that? But it's the idea of investing your life in other people. So that's what Paul was about. He was more about, instead of just giving a message and leaving and seeing what happened, but he was in, involved in how do I invest my life in other people? And that's why I think it's so important. One of the, the I, Shelley and I were involved with um, uh, some different youth organizations, and one of them used this verse as a key verse. It was in 1 Thessalonians, I'll just tell it to you. It was in chapter 2, verse 8. And it says that we, we delight, we desired so much or delighted so much not only to share the Word of God with you, but our own lives as well. So there was this idea of not only sharing the Gospel, but investing yourself in other people. And that's exactly what Paul was doing. 
Paul says in Colossians 1.28, We proclaim Him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. He was investing in Himself. Romans 15.16 says, To minister the Jesus Christ to the Gentiles with the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable of God to God, sanctified by His Holy Spirit. So Paul was, he was all in. And so he wanted to complete the work that he had received in the Lord. So one of the things that I wanted to share with you when we first start out in uh, chapter, or verse, uh, verse 21, it says, they preached the good news in that city, in that city of Derby, and they won a large number of disciples. You know, it doesn't say there was a lot of persecution that happened in that city. In the other cities they went to, there was. You know, whether the Jewish Judaizers were trying to stir up trouble, or whether they uh, were trying to stone him, like they tried to do that in Iconium, and they did do that in Lystra. But he was fearless. I mean, it just amazes me to know that he went back to the same cities that they drove him out of. He went to the same cities that they actually stoned him in Lystra. And then he comes back and he goes to Antioch and he, um, in Antioch in Syria. And that was his sending church to let them know about the good news that was preached and the changes in, in people's lives that had happened. So Paul and Barnabas, they were fearless and determined to complete the mission and chose to take the longer route back to their sending church in Antioch of Syria. Facing uncertainty and danger, these soldiers of Christ were to go back through the cities that had been, they had faced opposition, persecution, and attempted execution. With God, you're always in the majority. Without a doubt, the opposition would still be vehemently opposed to the gospel of Christ. Despite the looming danger ahead, it would be far more dangerous to leave these new disciples in a hostile situation, unequipped, and with only the basic understanding of the gospel. They went to strengthen and encourage and warn and appoint elders. They were committed to making disciples. It was Diedrich Bonhoeffer that said, costly grace becomes cheap grace without discipleship. It's no small thing to walk with the Lord year after year. And as I look out here and I see you know, many of my friends, they've been Christians for many years. And I think you know, when I look at myself and I look at, let's say, Lois Wilkins, who's in her 90s right now, and I think about how faithful she's been over the years. And I just think to myself, that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to be faithful for, throughout our whole life, but He also wants us to invest our lives in other people. That's why I think it's so imper- important for people that have been in the faith that they're willing to share and encourage others to continue to grow in their faith. It should be our desire to live more for God today more than yesterday and to be more holy this hour than the last hour. So notice I'm going to start in verse uh, 22 and I'm going to read through verse 25. It says, Strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church. And with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. How many times has it been, like even if you think about the 
the parable of the sower, where you just cast seed out, right? But how, and then all of a sudden, what, you know, the sun comes and then it doesn't grow roots. Or if it falls among the rocks and, you know, it doesn't, it's not able to grow. Or it grows among the weeds and it's been choked out. We as um, believers in Christ need to take time to be able to, to cultivate and to water and to help fertilize that new sprout to grow. And that's what God's really been putting on my heart right now, is how can I be a discipler to be able to help others grow in Christ? Think about this as well. Sometimes there are hardships that, that we face, but I think of it this way. Obstacles are but stepping stones for greater works to glorify God. Let me say that again. There are going to be obstacles that are going to be put in front of your way. There were obstacles in Paul's you know, um, route back. And notice in his second and third missionary journey, he still goes through Galatia, southern Galatia as well. When you think about the book of Galatians, that's who he's writing to right there. But obstacles become stepping stones for greater works to glorify God. It depends on our mindset. Do we think of these obstacles as something that is an impediment that we should quit and go another way? Or are those obstacles something that encourages us and we use those as stepping stones in the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to spread His news regardless of whatever the situation is? I see Paul as an example for me that he, even in the midst of being stoned to death, he still went back into that city. He was fearless and not fearful. He did what God called him to do. He that knows what is right to do and does not do it, James says, to him it is a sin. And what did Paul do? He did what God had called him to do. He completed the title of the sermon. He completed the work that God had told him to do, regardless of whatever the circumstance was. Remember this quote that I say every morning because I think it's very appropriate here. Sometimes God calms the storm. More often, He lets the storm rage and calms the child. Christians are to live above their circumstances and not under them. He says, I have learned to live the life of another. It's Christ in you. They appointed elders in the church. Notice it says with prayer and fasting. They took time. They took time. Have you made yourselves available to people? Paul knew that for the church to thrive, there needed to be committed leadership in the church. They needed proper administration there. They committed them to the Lord, whom they had put their trust, and they prayed and fasted, I said. They demonstrated great concern for the church. And in the end, they trusted, it, trusted the church to God's strength. Verse 23, the believers were given edification and organization. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders, it says, to the church. They were probably, you know, a lot of them had, they were Jews that became Christians and because they had some background of the Scriptures. But it wasn't like, like for instance, in Lystra, I mean, remember they were trying to worship Paul and Barnabas. I mean, it was pagan. There weren't a lot of, like, people that have been Christians for a long time. And God, Paul went back, he taught them, 
He put people in place. He prayed and entrusted that God would grow it. Remember how it says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it says sometimes that, you know, that Paul and uh, Water and Apollos, and, but who gives the growth? It's God gives the growth. So now I want to take a look at the last section, verse 26 through 28. Notice that Paul, he goes back to the sending church in Antioch, and, and they have a missions conference there. And uh, Paul told about all the wonderful things that God was doing. And God gave that sending church, he gave that church a full report. And why is this phrase, I thought about this for a while, this phrase so important. It says this, how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. Why was that so important? It shows that the gospel had gone out to the Gentiles. That's one. It shows it was by faith, the message, and not by works of the law. And it shows, too, that God did it. God opened up the door, and Paul was faithful to walk through the door and to preach the gospel, and to be faithful to the mission that he was called. One of the last verses that's in the book of Colossians is this. And I, I think this is so crucial, and it relates to what we're talking about now. Paul says, it's just sort of out of the blue, he just says, and tell Archippus to complete the work that you've received in the Lord. It's like, where did that come from? Tell Archippus. To complete the work that you've received in the Lord. It's chapter 4, I think it's like verse 17. But that's what Paul was doing too. He was committed to follow, to fulfilling what the commission that he was given. And we should do the same. We should do the same. They stayed there a long time with the disciples back at their home church in Syria, Antioch. We could assume that Paul and Barnabas took a long break and found plenty of ministry to do back then. God opened the door of faith. The trip was a great success. Now think about this though. Though there were many great obstacles, there's the difficulty of the travel itself, the confrontation with Elymas on Cyprus, the quitting of John Mark, being driven out of the cities of Antioch and Iconium. The temptation to receive adoration and worship when they tried to worship him, them as uh, Zeus and Hermes. Yet, nevertheless, Paul and Barnabas would not be deterred from the work that God had given them to do. Missions conferences are always exciting and motivating. It's a wonderful time to learn and to grow in one's faith. It's, it's exhilarating to hear about what, all that God is doing with within a people group, and how we can be ministry partners on the Great Commission. I would have loved to be in that audience listening to Paul and Barnabas share about their experiences in southern Galatia. They had been commissioned to share the love of God, express the power of the Holy Spirit by proclaiming the good news of the risen Lord. They strengthened and encouraged the new believers. They also appointed elders. They preserved through the hardships and they saw open doors for the gospel of Christ. Are we enjoying the Christ life every moment of every day? I see Paul and Barnabas ending with the same words that the missionary C.T. Studd said. Think about this. 
If Jesus be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. If Jesus be God and he died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. Jesus empowers us to stay the course. In his application, I was thinking about this. How are we in the church and individually pursuing discipleship? One of the things that we're talking about in, in, in this church, and we'll see how things go, but we've talked about you know, Awana, we did that for a long time, reaching out, discipling people, but also maybe having some kind of like ESL classes and having people come and, and working with them that way. We're talking about it. But how can we be pouring our lives, investing our lives in other people? Our investment in others has eternal rewards. Jesus calls us to make disciples. The Apostle Paul models the importance of discipleship. May we have the attitude of the Apostle Paul who wrote in Galatians 4.19, My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Our focus should be on disciple making. It was John Wesley who says, The church changes the world not by making converts, but by making disciples. People that want to follow Christ. Second application is this. We need spiritual grit. We need spiritual grit. We need holy boldness. We need a divine resolve. I know Joni likes that word too. We need it and so do I. We need a divine resolve to complete the work we've received in the Lord, whatever that work may be. Your work may not be the same as my work or Paul's work or somebody, but God has given you a work and we are to complete the work that we have received in the Lord. And the big idea was this, is that Jesus empowers us to stay the course. Jesus compels us to holiness but He also empowers us to pursue holiness. He calls us to be holy, but He's given us His Spirit to help pursue that. He's called us to go out in the world to be disciple-makers, but He's given us His Spirit to empower us to be disciple-makers. Paul sends a message, like I said to Archippus, in Colossians 4.17. And so remember that. Tell Archippus to complete the work that you've received in the Lord. My advice is the same as that Jim Elliott, the missionary that went to um, Ecuador, said one time. He says, when you're there, be all there. When you're there, be all there. Complete the work that you've received in the Lord. That's the word that I want to share with you today. That Jesus empowers you to finish the work. And we should finish the work just like Paul did. He finished the mission trip. We should finish it as well. And in the end, what we, our desire is, is not fame and glory, but the words that say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the faithfulness of Paul. Thank you that he was fearless. Thank you that he, was, he thought that it was important to invest your life in other people. Thank you that he didn't just go over the Sicilian mountains and just go back to Tarsus. But he looked into his soul and he said, you know what? 
Even though they tried to stone me, even though they ran me out of town, there are people there that need strengthen. They need encouragement. And I'm going to go back and, and Lord, I just pray for your protection. I pray that you would help me and that I will be faithful to whatever you've called me to do, regardless of whatever trouble may be there. That I know that obstacles are but stepping stones that help me to glorify you, that you've put there, that you will also refine me and make me into the person that you want me to be. This I pray in Jesus' name. Help us to be faithful to finishing the call you've put in our lives. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.